Hi, I'm Billy Shore. Welcome to Add Passion and Stir. It's our regular conversation about food, passion, and making a difference in the world. And we've got the chef that everybody is talking about. She's been at it for 16 days, she told me. <laughs> Rose Noel, head chef at Maialino Mare. A couple of the, the cooks, after we were hired, they brought it up. They're like, I'm so happy to see um, a woman one and a woman of color on the top. That's why I'm here working for you. Here with my sister Debbie Shore in our DC studio. Good so, to have you, sis. So excited to be here today with Rose. And we've got the chef that everybody is talking about. She's been at it for 16 days, she told me. <laughs> Rose Noel, head chef at Maialino Mare. Well done. Danny, Where's your accent? Danny though? Myers, uh, first fine dining restaurant outside of New York. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of carry around that label with you of Danny Myers, first fine dining restaurant outside of New York. Don't worry, light beat. Right? Yeah. Um, but we went to the opening reception. It was fantastic. And it sounds like you've been on a roll for 16 days. So welcome to town. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everyone. So excited to be here. It has been an amazing 16 days. It feels like a little bit longer than that. But the whole team is super excited. They're passionate about what they're doing. They love eating. So we cook for them all day long. Yep. But um, I'm happy to be here. Did you, you must have a cha- you must have had a chance to visit DC before you guys moved here? Yeah, right? uh, um, I was in like Model Congress in high school, so we came here. I think three years in a row. I only did well one of those years, both. <laughs> <laughs> um, after that, it was like a three day weekend spot, and my brother moved down here. He's in Arlington. Moved down here about four years ago, so nice. I've been coming oh, down so to visit him. you got family here. Great. Yeah, I, got, okay. I don't think I could have done it without any any family. But older or younger brother? Because older brothers the can baby, be the baby difficult. Brother. He's the baby, baby brother. brother. Okay, yeah. that's, that's easy. Yeah, well, baby sisters are a little easier. Um, were you born and raised in New York? Born and raised. Yep. Okay. So you really so does DC feel pretty different? Uh, in ways that New York is unique, yes, but um. The vibes are the same. Um, the people are genuinely friendly here. The whole like um, chef chef community has been super supportive. They're come and ask me for help for anything, and they actually mean it. It's yeah. been nice. super awesome. Yeah. Well, we've had you know so many chefs on the podcast, but I can't think of anybody that we've had that's uh, just opened up a new restaurant as you know as recently as you have. So I'm going to want to talk about how you got ready for that, how you prepared for it. But first, I just want to hear, and I know our listeners want to hear. How did you become a chef in the first place? Where did that start? Oh, man. And early influences. So my mom and dad, to be 100% honest, my dad was the better cook, and my mom was a great cook as well. But um, in the kitchen- What kind of like, food? Oh, my, my, both my parents are from Haiti. Okay. So they- and they um, came here from Haiti? They came here from Haiti, I think in the 70s. My earliest photo of my dad here is like disco wear, which is super crazy. He has like- <laughs> Fleetwood Mac records, <laughs> just like <laughs> that's how I remember like my dad in the beginning. But um, they're they're my cooking influences. The best time we had was like cooking for the family. Everyone's always in the same room, and that's where my mind goes back when I want to relax. So every career, like I started with, I think I started in marketing and accounting in college. And every time I thought about what I really wanted to do, I just went back to the kitchen to try to figure it out. And after I think a year in marketing, I decided I could not do this for the rest of my life. So Went to culinary school. And, Where, figured, and where'd you go? I went to uh, the Institute of Culinary Education in New York. Okay. Mm-hmm. And were, were your folks cooking um, what would be classic Haitian cuisine or traditional Haitian food, or is there such a thing? Uh, I'd imagine so. <laughs> uh, I didn't spend a lot of time in Haiti, so I'm not sure if it was classic, but to me, that's all they cook. So to me, that's like 
what Haitian food is. My dad made uh, this is almost always corner rice in in everything. That's like the base or our plantains and chicken, beef, seafood, all in there. My mom made this dish called grill, which is braised pork shoulder that you then break down and then you deep fry it. And then you serve it with something we call pickles, which is pickled veg and peppers. So you just have the fried plantain, the grill, and the pickles together. And then that was like lunch. And they cooked every meal. We didn't eat out. I didn't have McDonald's till like 14. <laughs> and and what, did it rock people's world, like your parents' world, when you decided to drop out of marketing and be a chef? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure after they hear this, they'll be like, they'll still be shaking their heads. Mom, my dad was like, what are you doing? We paid for your college. And then you, you graduate and then you go back to school to cook. Because my dad was a, a baker by trade. My mom was a nurse. So my mom was like, you could become a doctor. You still have time. My dad was like, you could become a doctor. You still have time. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is what I want to do. My dad just nodded. He's like, if it makes you happy, sure. Mom was like, you can still become a doctor. <laughs> and I was just like, I think she only now is um, coming to terms with the fact that I'm not going to become a doctor. Has she, has she been here to see the restaurant? She hasn't seen the restaurant yet. Oh, I told wait, her. Wait till they see it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hope I hope she comes down soon. I know we we're going to be crazy and I didn't want to. You know, when your mom comes to town, you have to spend time with your mom. And she needs the time. She would want all my time. So, so give me some time. Open a restaurant. That's great. She's going to be living in my space. I'm sure I need to, like, make my apartment livable for my mom. And, um, yeah, she would come down, eat the food, and then be one over. That's great. So, Rose, you know a lot of other chefs, so I'm sure you know this, but your path is one that we've heard many times uh, of somebody who started out to do one thing, studied, went to school, and then realized that their real passion, their real love, what they felt their closest connection to their family was cooking. And then they made that detour. So it sounds like, um, you know, it's probably a hard one to make, but I feel what a lot of successful chefs have, have followed that path. It makes sense. If it's so, you don't fall into this career by mistake, for sure, because it's not an easy thing to do. The time constraints and the like, you know, the amount of time you have to to have like a real life outside of it, it's like really short. So you don't love it, you don't last long. It, it's almost the way I think about it is it's almost not even a you know like a planned conscious decision. Yeah. Right. Because you know if if you're drawn to something right like deep inside like you probably were and like so many of the chefs are then that's not the kind of thing that you grow up saying I want to become a doctor or a lawyer yeah. or a businessman it's like deep down you know you want to be doing something else yeah so you get out of culinary school how do you break in so when in order to graduate culinary school you need to do your externship so I spent time the first restaurant was dovetail was literally the craziest kitchen I've ever worked in today it was the hardest kitchen, and if I didn't make it out of that um, kitchen, I probably not, would not have been a chef today. It was it was the classic French kitchen you imagine and you see on television. It was that crazy. So, people, what, what made it crazy? I mean, just the pressure, the, the intensity, everything. They're like they're in, they're intense. Like the chef did like the whole fine dining. I'm imagining, uh, right? Yeah, fine Super dining, fine dining, fine dining yeah. fresh Michelin star restaurant, and he was he was there every day. Who was who's the um, chef? John Fraser. Yes. So, uh, how, how did you get there though? Um, I was looking for structure and my um, guidance counselor, she was like, yeah, this will work for you. Very militaristic. And I was like, I didn't know how right she was. She was, so you, on. <laughs> she you, was on the point. But you interviewed and they took you. They took me. So that's pretty good first job out of school, right? I, I'll take it. I yeah. think I guess I did well enough for them to keep me. I yeah. stayed there for uh, about a year and a half and then um, crazily opened his next restaurant with him, which was equally maddening. And... Um, but it was good. This was the first restaurant that, like, 
I knew that I could actually do it in real life. What do, what do you think they're looking for? Because obviously they're looking for someone who is going to work super hard yeah. and have some talent. But there's got to be some other qualities there that you are able to show them that yeah. said, like, you're the right one for this internship. Well, I, I think that you have to show that you're willing to stay there no matter what. Because if it's that hard and you quit, it means you're probably not the person anyway. It just takes like the kind of passion you would definitely need to continue and that they know that if it was a hard night, you wouldn't just walk off the line or that tomorrow you just wouldn't show up. So literally showing up means that you want to be there. Mm-hmm. And is that something you look for when you're hiring your team? It's harder to look for more and to like sustainably watch. Um, like the stay staying power is not something you can technically interview for. You can like look at a resume and see how long they've been in restaurants and, um, look at what kind of restaurants they've worked in. And DC has been hard for me because I don't know the kind of like restaurants that are here now. I don't know what kind of kitchens they are. But in New York, you look at a resume and you go, okay, that's a hard kitchen. If you lasted two and a half years there, you can do anything anywhere. So uh, moving here, we're trying to figure out like what kind of restaurants and what does reading your resume really mean. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the people who have stayed have all worked in what I'm finding out now to have been really great restaurants here. The Jose Andres, Jose Andres group, the Think, um, Think Group. Think Food, yep. group. Think Think food, food group. group. Definitely breeds that kind of cook, for sure. <laughs> and they, they have so many restaurants here yeah. of Empire. different kinds, right? So that you you know you can get a really good kind of sense of, of the worker from all of his restaurants. Yeah. yeah. And how did you end up at Union Square Hospitality Group? Uh, speaking of empires. Oh, <laughs> So I didn't know about it when I interviewed. So uh, I think after um, Narcissa, which was the restaurant that I opened with John Frazier, I was looking for something different, understandably so. I was like, okay, I've done French. I feel like I know French now. Young cook. I know French from being there two years. And I was like, I want to try Italian. So he set me up with a couple of trails. Uh, I trailed at Maria, and then I trailed at Mylino. I trailed at Marta. So what's that mean exactly? Oh, Maria was... Um, in the trail. When you oh, the, tra- oh yeah. sorry. A trail is when you kind of like an on-job interview. Okay. You first interview and then you go in and then you work with them for a day. Is that different than stodging? Uh, not really. Same. I think those words are really the same thing. Stodge sometimes just means a little bit longer term. Uh, you can go to like another restaurant somewhere and you stodge for like three months because you just want to learn. The trail is more of like a trial. Mm-hmm. I think it's how I how I think about it when I say either word compared to each other. But I spent the day with them. You prep with them. At, which, you, at which restaurant uh, were you for, for, for Danny Myers? For Danny Myers, it was uh, Mylino. Okay. I trailed with them for their dinner service. It was crazy. But um was able to jump right in because they were busy enough that they all needed help. And it was just like, it felt great. I didn't, I've never cooked pasta before in my life. I never made pasta before. And that was enough for me. Billy's like, never eaten pasta. Liar. <laughs> no, it's true. No, well, well I we, we I, can talk about I that. Two bro. kinds of pasta now. I'm, I'm, uh, here's a weird thing it's about It's the me. noodle. I've never had a spaghetti noodle in my life in my entire it. life. I just can't do it. So what about like macaroni and short noodles? Uh, oh, macaroni okay. and cheese are the worst. No, I can't oh, do that. No. But I, there's two things I eat. I can eat ravioli. Okay. And I can eat uh, gnocchi. gnocchi. Okay, let me know when you're coming by. We can make some. Um... Yeah, because your gnocchi is pretty good, right? Of course it is. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna talk about that <laughs> in a minute. So anyhow, you get the job at uh, Mayalino. Yes. Okay. Uh, started working there. I got hired by Jason because he just seemed. Um, what, Jason. Was Jason the... Viper. He was the executive chef there. Okay. Um, he is now the executive chef of Manhattan, which I opened with him later on. 
But um, he just seemed to be like super genuine. I asked the issue. The thing for me was choosing between Maria and my Mylena was would I be able to work everywhere and learn everything? Mm. Maria was kind of like, no, we have pasta ladies who make the pasta. That's their job. Everyone <laughs> else will be, you'll just work the line and that's what we need you to do. And I'm like, I need to know how to make the pasta that I'm um, making. Working in an Italian restaurant and not know how to make pasta just seemed like a, a ridiculous thing to me. I, I'd had to know how to make pasta. You watch the pasta ladies on television. You hear about the pasta ladies in Italy and Rome all day. I'm like, this is who I want to be, my older mm-hmm. generation. When I retire... Restaurant front, rolling gnocchis and roll, rolling cavatellis all day because I wanted to just be useful. But Mylino said you could work wherever you wanted to, learn whatever you wanted to learn as long as you proved yourself. And I did, and they let me. It's great. And so from there to uh, one of Danny Meyer's newer restaurants, Manhattan, which yeah. is, I think, up on the 60th floor yeah. of some incredible the, tower, right? What used to be the Chase One Manhattan building is now the Fosun building. And uh, oh yeah, that was that was an opening to remember. The, um, the hours were long, but it was it was awesome. We started our morning, eight a.m. at the Union Square Farmers Market every day, every day that there was a market. It was four times a week mm. there. That was my favorite part. We started with like blue bottle coffee, and then we jumped right into the market and went shopping. We started with like one or two bags, and then started with uh, ended up with like uber full. Um, of groceries, the guy thought we were crazy when he rolled up. He's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> we probably should have just had like a mini Cooper that we could just throw everything in the back of. But that was super awesome getting to choose the entire team. We didn't yet we didn't yet have a space to work out of. So we worked out of like four different um, Union Square restaurants to just like menu test to practice. Um, Taco Cena was opening around the same time, so we we helped them open until we um, had our space. And it was a awesome experience. We have a great team. I think most of the team is still there now. I think a year and a half later. You're thinking, you Debbie, that you wish you'd have done this in your career at some point, aren't you? This sounds uh, like fun. It, it this does. sounds like you actually. I mean, yeah, I love I love starting to cook new things and, and, and yeah, it's, it does sound like fun. And when when, when Mylino Mare opened in Washington before they opened, I don't think you were in our office, but we had whoever was um, interviewing to work there coming from all over the country. And they trained in our offices for like three days. Really? Yeah. So I got to meet a lot of the folks that were coming in. It was so impressive. They came from every, I don't know, now that you've got, I don't know how many, how many employees do you have at Mylena Mari? 230. At Mylena Mari here? I think we're, we're between the, all the F&B operations in the, the hotel. Yeah, between um, Mylena Mari and Toby Social and Banquets we do. Wow, okay. We're, we are. Yeah. Well, right. I, I got to meet a lot of the uh, folks who were interviewing, and it was just, they were so impressive. And we they just we nixed a couple of the chef candidates because we wanted you. <laughs> you know, we said, no, it's got to be you Rose. You saw me coming? I mean, the yeah. chef was chosen. It was everybody else that uh, was coming through our door. So, What was the thinking that went into um, opening a fine dining restaurant here? Were you part of that discussion about whether a Mylino Mare should open in D.C.? No. It's such a big step for it was, the Union uh, Square Group. When they told Danny. me about it, I was just... I had no idea. They brought it up to me, and I was like, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, okay. So, and so was, it, was it obvious that you were going to be the chef here? Oh, no. They were, I thought they were just informing me that they were okay. opening uh, Miley Omari in D.C. I was like, oh, that's great. I'm excited. So who's going to be the chef? And they're like, so that's why we're sitting here today. <laughs> oh, that's great. So um, I think... Uh, you were totally shocked. Oh, like almost fell off my chair shocked. And they were comfortable chairs. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love that. So it was um, awesome. And you knew right away that you wanted to come here? Because that's a big change, right? Oh. Moving into a new city. Oh, no. Uh, that one I that one I thought about 
because any any move, any um any change, I, I I'm a creature of habit. I like stability. I like um knowing what's gonna happen. I, like ambiguity makes me a little bit crazy. So I, I like usually plan things out so far in advance. So so for this one, this was like my biggest jump. I've never lived outside of New York City. So your poor parents. First you dropped out of marketing, <laughs> then you moved away. <laughs> oh, my mom thought it. The mom thought it was because of her. She's like, oh my god. <laughs> are, you, are you leaving because of me? I'm like, no. It's just she. Oh, she. she oh, I'm, still, I'm sure I'm, I've been driving her crazy. I'm sure, I've been driving her crazy. But I'm like, my sister still lives there. I have three sisters that still live in New York. But uh, three sisters and then one brother here. One brother here. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're split evenly. Yeah. I, I think she has like the good the, the fair the ladies over there. <laughs> but I'm like, we're not that far away. I think it's a three and a half hour drive if you're driving just above the speed limit. <laughs> you can get here. Um, but yeah, it was awesome to be um, doing. I found out later on that so many people put me into the hat, hmm. and they were all vouching for me, and I, it just felt it was an awesome feeling. Everyone that was behind me, and I was like, okay, I have the full support. Mm-hmm. Of people who I I didn't even knew knew who I was um, put me into the hat for the chef, and I was like, okay, so, I'll make this move. So, how do you prepare to open a restaurant? in a different city with, um, you know, the reputation of Mylino, um, carrying with you. Uh, how, do, how do you get ready for that? Oh no, I, I'm not even sure how I prepared well as it is. It more for me was to one, get to know what the restaurant scene was like in DC already. So every time I came down to do like an interview, I made sure I ate at least at one different restaurant a night just to understand where I was moving to, because you always feel like a new child on the block when you when you come into one a new city, a new town, and especially if you're gonna be a new restaurant in an already amazing restaurant scene. So I wanted to know one, what we were what we were like stepping into. And that was awesome. I was surprised. I didn't know anything about um DC's restaurant scene outside of like the Dabney, um, before I moved there. So getting to explore DC by way of food has been like super awesome. That was like my best preparation because I'm like, we already have amazing restaurants. So you definitely need to uphold the standards. It's great to hear you say that about DC restaurants. The the, the town has changed, you know, dramatically in the last 10 years. Yeah. And uh, now we're, we have a real restaurant scene with great chefs. So you're in the right place. Thanks. I'm happy to be. Everyone's, everyone's been awesome. I think I'm, I'm just last chef I met was two days ago, Jeremiah. Of the Dabney, I had to him. Yeah, he's awesome. La- Jeremiah Langhorn. Um, he's like super nice and super awesome. We like were at a brunch at Centralina, and he was like super awesome. Just said, "Hey, how are you?" We t- I talked for him for thirty five minutes after saying hi. I never haven't met him before. It's been like the conversation with most chefs I've met, like Hater um, down the block at Chloe. He's been like the person we ran out of, like I don't remember we ran out of garlic one day on like a on like a Sunday no one delivered I'm like hater hi remember me can I steal some garlic please and he was just like yeah whatever you need and he really genuinely meet it meant it he was just like I have garlic for you whatever you need you can stop by and that's been everyone everyone's been like super supportive they gave that's me like great. their real cell phone numbers to call them in case I'm like stressing out and. They actually pick up the phone, so they've been super awesome. I wonder if that's just uh, specific to Washington, all of this embracing that you you know that you feel, or if that would be the case, you know, in other cities where there's a big restaurant scene like Boston or L.A. or I don't mm. know. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, I, th- good, I, I, think, I think definitely DC. Yeah, could, it's nice in New York. They they give you they tell you you can um, let them know if you need anything, but it's always like a professional email, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to like I didn't my really mean it. Then no, they're just like, good job. They're just like watching you to hope you don't do too well. But here, everyone's really hoping you do well to add to the 
the culture add to the scene because everyone wants everyone to like rise with them. Yep. Um, Rose, we had Marcus Samuelson on just a couple weeks ago. A great conversation. And as you know, Marcus was uh, Ethiopian, adopted by Swedish parents. Um, he was passionate about wanting to be in the restaurant industry. One of the things he said to us, though, is at some of the early stages of his career, uh, he said other people in the kitchen would kind of say to him, well, you know, there aren't many chefs that look like you. Uh, and that, in his case, fueled his ambition. Um, as a woman of color, have you uh, faced any of that in the in the in your kind of trajectory to now the kind of the top echelons of the culinary community? Well, to be honest, I'd never thought about it until someone brought it up to me. It was more of just like um, a couple of the the cooks after we were hired. They brought it up. They're like, "I'm so happy to see um, a woman one and a woman of color on the top. That's why I'm here working for you." But early in your career, not an issue. No, you didn't I felt, didn't... feel like there was a you know that barrier to overcome. I, it was just so hard. I did. I don't think I had the bandwidth to think about it. Mm-hmm. It, it probably was there, but a lot of like other things, people you don't notice it's happening unless someone points it out to you. You just get to the top and you look around and you see you might probably be the only one. Right. But that's only when you have like the time to like step back and look at it. But um, coming up, no, I don't think I actually thought about it in like in those words or in that like in that point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any thoughts about how as an industry? Um, the industry improves on diversity, creates more opportunities for uh, people that traditionally have not been in the industry. I think I didn't even know much about culinary school until I searched for it. So you have to um, look for it in order to find it. I think if you want it to be a real industry, then you have to go into like the high schools. You have to go into the junior high school. So one, people know that this is like a real career that anyone can do. You don't have to be a star chef in order to be a chef. And even if you are a cook, it's possible for you to become a chef. And they have to see, one, that it's possible, and two, the path to get there. So you just have to show that it's easily accessible and available. And the same way that you can get scholarships for college, you have to be able to get a scholarship for the culinary school. Because for most people, if you don't have a scholarship for it, they can't attend. So culinary school, just like everything else, is expensive. And you have to be able to afford it for it to be an option for you. And it has to be a viable career in that you can support yourself while doing it. So it's like kind of twofold where the industry has to support you and you have to know it's a real, a real possible career for you. And and in your case, you've obviously learned a lot, but you must have brought natural talent to it as well. Have you ever thought about like the balance of, and, and as you're hiring people or as young people think about going into culinary, how much talent, latent talent do you have to have versus how much can you learn? Or if you're a really good student, can you learn it? I think uh, it might, I think it's a, a kind of a, a balance with like anything you do. You can be, if you're good at it, you have to try less. But if you're not good at it, you need to put the time in. I was not, I was a, uh, French was, French cuisine was very hard for me because it was so exact, kind of like pastry. It's probably why Saber is really good at what he does. But I like to experiment. I like to, to push the boundaries a little bit. I'm not, I'm not usually like straight down the line. So like Italian was better for me in that it used to make it taste really good. You don't, you don't need a lot to, uh, to make it taste amazing and delicious. You have the right ingredients. But again, if you're not a natural cook, you just have to put more time into it. My uh, my my culinary book library is crazy big. You eat out a lot. You stage at a lot of different places. You learn from as many people as you can in 
find the chef that teaches you in the way that you understand and the way that you learn best and you stick with them and have them recommend someone else to you when you're ready to move on. So I'm, I'm just wondering if you're um, a, a student of um, Samin Nasrat's book and her work on, because I'm reading now, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yeah. And, you know, if you understand those four properties, she claims, you can, like, cook anything that's in the kitchen and make it, you know. You can make you can make any good if you if you know, like what she said in her book, if you know what you're doing, you know how to how to manipulate everything, you can make anything taste good. Because my thing was, my mom used to cook liver for me, and I never, I would never eat it. But now you can't keep me away from any any liver mousse. It's for me. It's just like if you say you don't like something, you probably just have never had it the right way. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how I look at everything. So we can fix your your noodle dislike. I yeah. Think okay. We well, you're, <laughs> we're, you're, you're, we're all going to be you're watching for that a real one. challenge. Oh yeah. yeah. Get him to eat that long noodle. That would be so great. Danny Meyer described you to me as a quiet force, uh, and he said you're constantly pushing yourself to learn, to grow to do more. Um, and he said, uh, when I listen to the podcast, uh, I hope that I get to hear a little bit about where that comes from with Rose. Where did that drive and intensity and, and commitment come from? Is that from your folks, from being in a big family, just from your love of food? Well, I only do things that I love. I only spend my time with things that I care about. So I, I dive in full force into whatever I'm doing. Because uh, I'm here for a reason. I'm cooking because I love cooking. So there, there's not really another option for me. So I, I'm here to open the restaurant, and I bringing so many people with me, and it's really important that we do well because, like, a lot of people you feel are, the responsibility. Yeah, of it all, a hundred, a hundred percent. And the people who have been who helped me mostly have been people who have genuinely cared about me and my career, and that's really important for me to do for the people who work for me now. Mm-hmm. So doing well and taking care of all the cooks, all the servers, all the porters are really important to me because I, I drive that and I know that. And you, and you also, in addition to being uh, having to be a great cook, you also have this um, uh, banner of enlightened hospitality, right? So that's yeah. something. What and what will that mean for Myelina Mare? That's kind of like, I guess, the brand for yeah. Union Square Hospitality Group and Danny's Restaurants. When you think about kind of creating this culture of enlightened hospitality, what will it look like here? Uh, for for us, I know a lot of people in um, DC don't know exactly what it means because I think the, um, the tips included thing is was foreign in New York even when I, when we started out. Like, it was foreign when we started it. At, I think it was the modern that did it first. But just like this is the no tipping policy. No it's tipping included, policy. and I included. think they call it hospitality included hospitality in your bill. Included, yeah. Right, and is that the same at Miley Nomare? Like uh, it is. Yeah. We um, try to keep it across the company. We want to just the idea of whenever you leave a, a tip, it only hitting half of the people who work for it just did yeah. not seem fair because in fact it wasn't fair. But now that it it's included in everything. Everyone benefits from it, and everyone is excited when we're busy instead of only half mm-hmm. being excited when we're busy and the other mm-hmm. half not benefiting or um, benefiting if it were we're not busy. So everyone's invested in the wellness of the business. It'll be interesting to see if it catches on more. I know it's not caught on necessarily across the country. Mm-hmm. I've heard Danny talk about that, but it'll be interesting to see, especially given how everyone's welcomed you and the restaurant here and everyone's excited to have you here. It'll be interesting to see if anybody else picks it up, right? Yeah, I, I think everyone, I think it's um, really smart to just see how it pans out and mm-hmm. I think that's what everyone's doing to see if it really works because 
from afar, you don't want to risk it if you don't know it works for sure. But seeing that um, also really key that we make sure we roll it out and um, send out the information properly. And when we do well, other restaurants will pick it up. Does it make a difference depending on the size of the restaurant a little bit with all the thinking that goes into no tipping? Does it matter if it's a really large? Does, in other words, is it harder for a smaller restaurant or it doesn't really matter? I think because all, all of that is included in the price. So you just have to price it well. And if you have a smaller restaurant, you just staff less. It all depends on like how labor looks and how fully staffed you are. And um, the, also having really great people. If you can bring really great people in, you need less people to do the same amount of work. So if your server can can master um, his section and take good care of everyone, mm. you need less servers to do it. If you have a, a line cook that can handle working a pasta station by themselves and they don't need a second person to help them, then they're valued more and then they get more of the they get more of the share. And you just have to. We're trying to make sure we hire well in the first place so that we can mm-hmm. be efficient and how we how we run the business another part of your culture uh, at the union square hospitality group has always been giving back to the community as well and so debbie and i share our strength the no kid hungry campaign are currently the beneficiaries of this great program where how does it work you donate a dollar a a dollar for every um cover that walks through the door and and a cover is a because i had to look this up a cover is a ticket is is a bill or 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 the whole table Oh, each person. It's the bill. Yeah. Each person. Yeah. Each, each person. person. Yeah. yeah. Each, um, a cover is each person on it. So you have a table of four people. It's four, four covers. Wow. That's... So And right now we're open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and brunch. So so you're going to have a big impact on our organization. Yes. I hope so. I hope so. Even more motivation for everyone to walk in. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it does really feel good for every cover that walks in the door for us to be able to, uh, to give a dollar. And how is that promoted inside the restaurant? We, How do people know about it? We have it on um, we have it on the checks, and then we ask the servers to just message it also. Really? Oh, the servers thing. say something to the table? Yeah, not every table, but do we like we have regulars to come in that for sure for sure know about it, and um, I think it's an awesome thing. I think everyone should talk about it. Hope that catches on yeah, too. I feel like we should be That'll doing be great. more at our end on social media and stuff like that. Yeah, we have to push the, this and out with our and with our DC supporters, of which we've got many, because people will really be excited to know that, and everybody wants to try your food and. Um, Are we going to talk about the food now? Because I, yeah. I want to. Well, we're going to because <laughs> I read uh, somewhere, maybe it was Eater, I'm not sure, where you said, you know, my grandmother must have been Italian because I love cooking pasta so much. Um, talk about, you, you went from French to Italian. Yeah. Did you go to Italy? Did you? Oh, yeah. we. Yeah. Um, I, I told Danny I'd never been to Italy before. I think he he was so shocked. He was like, we need to bring my yes immediately. <laughs> so uh, I think... I haven't uh, been. I wonder if I tell Danny that he'll well, remedy for me. Maybe. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> See if it works on you too, for you, too. So where did you go? Uh, we went to Rome. We did, uh, I think it was five days, four nights in Rome. Um, but we definitely ate our way through that city. It was a, a lot. A lot. I think we did like three lunches, and three was this dinners. you and Danny? No, Danny we, didn't make it to this. Okay, this was the team. Had, it was the team. We have um, the leads, the heads of all the Italian restaurants um, in New York. The pastry chefs, and then um, Morgan Dillon is the GM of Miley and Mari and myself. And how does it, so you go, and is there a list that like yeah. someone gives you, but then can you stop into little places that you want to as well, you, sort of a mix? We, we you could so have, want this job. We could have if we had more space. <laughs> <laughs> we Our itinerary was so full. We um, had oh a God. list of restaurants we nef- definitely had to go to, because that's what um, the Miley on New York was based off of, El Moro being I think the, the main one. 
just like their design, their service, their food. It was, you felt at home. We sat there, we noticed that businessmen having business lunches, solo men having solo dinners, um, wife and child, mm-hmm. and our team just like eating our way through their entire menu in the corner in the same space and it all felt normal. That's the vibe I think we were trying to go for and that was the place I exemplified it the most. Everything else was the style of food, um, Roman cuisine in general, like where it came from, why they're doing the way they, like they do. And then when you had space, we um, think uh, Jeffrey, the pastry chef of Miley on New York, and I had a challenge. It was whenever we saw gelateria and any one of us bet the other one that we couldn't do it, we had to. So we ate our way through it in pasta and gelato and like cookies. I know, a horrible vacation. I know. What are we going to do? But <laughs> Are you more of a savory person or a sweet person? Or do you crave both? Uh, it depends on the, the sweet. Um, I, I like like savory savory desserts, and I like some some sweet things. But I I love I love pasta and gelato. I can't stay away from. So I don't normally like like, like sweet sweet desserts. But gelato just throws everything out the window. I can eat gelato all day mm-hmm. for every meal period. And does your pasta have a kind of a signature style to it? Like, how would you describe it? What do you think distinguishes it? I think um, simple but really strong flavors. So. My favorite one we do right now is the fettuccine al gambaretti, which we were able to find the best possible shrimp right now, the Argentinian red, where the pasta is just the broth from the shells, the pasta, and the shrimp. And where, where is the shrimp from? We're getting it from um, the Gulf, Argentinian red shrimp. Mm. But there's, it, you look at it, it's just the, the sauce, the shrimp, and the pasta, but it's but amazing. It's so flavorful. It's so right? flavorful. Wow. And that's, I think, more of what I was looking for when I left French. When you you don't have to add so much to it as long as you have the right thing the right basis. So the pasta is amazing, the shrimp is amazing. Why do you need anything else? And so when you're in Rome, eating your way through <laughs> Rome for you know five days and four nights, or uh, are you making mental notes? Are you writing things down? Are you how how are you capturing everything? So it was it was a it was a super fun trip. We um, documented everything in photo. Ah. So I'm not usually an Instagrammer, but after this trip, I became one because you realize like after even day two, you forgot, started to forget some things that happened in day one. So we have a couple of like quirky pictures, a lot of candid pictures, but most of all, like um, the place we went and the food we got from that place. You had breakfast, lunch and dinner. Oh, yeah. They don't, and stuff in between. Or oh, no? yeah. Oh. Amaro was my was the, the savior of my life there because for all the food we were eating, I definitely needed to like settle my stomach so we could start all over again. But it was, we had some really great meals there. Uh, Pier Luigi was one that was really big on like seafood and atmosphere. It was just like patio. The restaurant was 100% patio. And a table, we had no more tables, and a table of six wanted to show up. They went into the back, pulled out a table, set it up beautifully, and all of a sudden you had like four, four more tables available for your guests. We went inside to go to the bathroom and empty. No one wanted to sit inside. It Everybody's was, outside. Everyone is outside. And it just felt amazing. A beautiful night. Everyone was just chattering. Everyone was like their families eating there every night. And it was just this only thing inside was the fish. That a fish display <laughs> on ice. And when you ordered like a whole fish, they brought you inside. You chose your fish. Mylino Mare has the main restaurant. And then you've got two other spots that maybe you could tell us about in the yeah. building. So we have the, uh, the Thompson Bar Room, which is in the hotel lobby. There's like um, classic American food done well. They do like a Wagyu hot dog. It's amazing. It's, I know, cool. I know. That was my face when um, Chef Jorge brought that one up too. I was like, can I have three? 
I'll just, I usually don't eat like is ballpark it a What's a Wagyu hot dog so, cost? Can I just ask like what it costs? <laughs> I don't know all the cost information, <laughs> but um, I think I think for me, I, I'd have to, uh, I think a reasonable price. It's And you'll have it, It's you have it for lunch. I'd have so it for we're, breakfast. We're com- we're, we, no, but we're coming in for lunch very soon. Like maybe oh, even What time do you open for breakfast? <laughs> we open for breakfast Monday through Friday at 7. Okay. Uh, lunch is 12. The bar room opens at 3. Maybe four. I have to double check, but they have it after then. But maybe after you finish oh, lunch, the the, the, wag, the the hot dog's not available till. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. The Thompson Bar Room is um, mostly a bar that has that has amazing, amazing classic American <sighs> food just done like really well. Wow. Um, the three of us know what myelino means, but not everybody probably does. Can you tell us? Myelino means small pig. It's a mix of ma myale, and then anything ending in ino is um is tiny version of yeah. So we have uh, the little pig, and then Mari's for the for the ocean. So I, I just remember what we talked about before at the party. It's just like um, the little pigs that you think about when you go to the Bahamas that are swimming on that island. That's what I think about. That's my visual. I just think about my Lena Mari, yeah. And then you've got a third spot, Yeah, too. we have um, Anchovy Social that opens tomorrow. Super excited. Uh, rooftop, amazing views, um, aquatic theme, seafood towers, um, lots of anchovies, of course. I, I saw the view when we were up there, and it's just incredible. It's, it's just going to be such a hit in this town. That's where I go to do my work in the morning because it's just unparalleled. That view is amazing. So, can I tell you something about the anchovy? Yes, please. That you served when we walked into the launch. So we walk in, and somebody put out a plate of a sort of toast with maybe some butter and then an anchovy on yeah. top. Well, when I saw that, I grabbed my phone. I took a bunch of pictures because... I served that exact same thing on New Year's Eve to my friends. Oh, yeah? And, and they, Probably not the exact same well, thing. Well, <laughs> I, I sent a note to the host, and I said, I want to make this anchovy with, this one was a vanilla butter. Yeah. Vanilla butter on toast with an anchovy. And they were like, sounds kind of weird, Deb. I'm like, I know, but it, I'm reading about it, and it sounds great. So we, I made it, and I brought it over. Everybody liked it. But when I saw it at, at Maialino Omare for the launch, I was like, I started a trend. Yeah, you have. <laughs> you but no, it was it was so great to see that there, and and so you know, just love love seeing. I that. know. I I love love anchovies anywhere that I could just. I we too. have it on like burrata. That was like a lavash um, flatbread with like butter and um, the white anchovy. That was it. I could eat forty dollars a day. Are all the re- everything that we see on the menu is that your you've thought of that recipe, you saw it somewhere else. How does that work? You create every single recipe? So the ones that are, we have a lot that are coming from Mylino, New York, like the okay. core, the core pastas, like the Mylino, the Spigola. We um, just brought down great recipes down to what we do. So for everyone who's been to the New York version, comes down and then they have the same exact item they remember. It's good for nostalgia and it's delicious. I don't want to, I don't want to mess too much with that. If we already know what works, we'll keep it. Do you have the Malfati? Yeah, we do. Oh, describe it's, that. Okay, so that's a pasta I can eat. You could. <laughs> it's not a noodle. What is it? No, well, it's, a, it's like it's, a it's long, like, flat scrap, right? Oh, is it? It's like a, like a square that we um we like fold up. It's from my fatty traditionally. Got to be square is, for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> not noodle shaped or macaroni like. Right. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one is um we get the whole pigs. Yep. And we use every part of it. So the hams and the feet we braise down um, with with chicken stock, pork stock, mirepoix, which is just like um, fennel, um, celery, onions. We don't use carrots in this one, but braise it down for like I think it's an hour, hour and a half for the hams, and then we we shred it, 
and then we use the the stock that we cooked it in, and we cook that down, and that becomes the sauce for the pasta. Mm. And then the hams, a little bit of butter, parsley, lemon juice. That's the malfati pasta. It's really good. I've had that in New York. I haven't had it um, here yet, but I've got to. And we have on the table some breakfast items yeah. that you brought, which you, was so nice of you. Uh, oh, yeah. You were saying your pastry chef is uh, performs magic. He, uh, he's a magician, a hundred percent. I wasn't usually I'm not usually crazy about um, desserts and pastries, but I'm always in the pastry room eating whatever they have on the sheet trays in there. He's like, "What are you doing in here again?" I put on so much weight just like hanging around his pastry room. It's it's evil. I don't know what he does in there. It's maniacal, but he is amazing. Um, say a little bit. We're running out of time, but say a little bit about um, when, uh, as a chef, um, somebody comes, they spend a couple hours at the restaurant. Um, what are you hoping they take away? What kind of feeling? What type of experience? How do you, how would you describe it in words the way you want them to feel as they're leaving? I think about it uh, as the reasons I would ever go back to a restaurant is, does it feel like home? Could I come back here when whatever mood I'm in, whatever I'm in the mood for, whatever, what, whatever reason? Sometimes it's just for a Negroni, sometimes for coffee in the morning, or a bowl of pasta. Do I feel like I could just walk into the door in whatever mood I'm in? and leave feeling like people actually want to take care of me and I want to tell people about it. So mm-hmm. my per- my perfect experience would be I've walked in, the bartender probably knows my drink because I've been here a couple of times and it just shows up. My sparkling water is ready like in my glass. I didn't have to ask for it. And he goes, hi, how are you, Rose? How's your day going? And then he actually means that he wants to hear about my day. And then I leave and I'm like, okay, bye guys. And to me, it's like bye friends. Yeah. And they're just like, I'll see you tomorrow. That's not, that's the mood. So it's about the relationships as much yeah, as the food. I think so because yeah. you you go to you go to a restaurant for food, but you stay because you have someone to to spend time with and you feel great being there. And when you leave, you can't wait to come back. Uh, you know, and as Danny says, you know, it's always it's always about how it makes you feel. Yeah, every every encounter is about how it makes you feel, right? So when you feel good, you want to go back. Yeah. So if someone's coming in from out of town, they're only going to be here one night. They're not going to be back for a couple of years. What's the one thing on the menu that they have to not miss? Depends on the kind of person you are, but I think you are going to have, for sure, um, the calamaretti and the carciofini, because I'm assuming you, you love eating. Wait, what is that? What is the second one? Uh, the carciofini is the fried artichokes. Okay. They are amazing. Fried baby artichokes. They're so good. I want those. Is there like a little dip that goes with it? Or no, something? but it's like the, it's, they're fried so light, and we have like a lemon squeeze, squeeze over it to brighten it up, and you just like throw, throw them in. They're so good. Guilt free. Unquotes, but <laughs> um, and then for the pasta, I would say the the fettuccine gamberetti or the malfatti, just to compare because I know yeah. we do it so well. Also, yes, no knock on New York and uh, NYC Milano, and for um, the entree with the side, the zucca and the entree, either the um, the milanese, the skate wing, or the pesce spada, the swordfish, mm. for sure. I found a new love for swordfish down here uh, we have a great purveyor and they give us the precious stuff and we cook it like they cook our cook right now uh she's doing a great job they cook it just right and rose when you're um as chef you've got you're not only cooking but you've got people you've got young chefs learning from you what's your style of teaching is it just by example is it are you communicative with them? Or are they just supposed to watch what you do? How does how does it work? I think the at least the way I learn is best of show me how to do it, watch me do it, and then correct me in the moment, so that I don't go too far along the way along the wrong path. So it's I'd like to get all the way in there. I work with you for a couple of picks, and then make sure you've gotten it, and then we readjust. You have to you have to get in there. 
tell, explaining how to cook would be great. You'd be able to do it from watching television if that were the way to do it. But you definitely have to have to show people exactly what you mean, and then they have to taste it. It's hard to know you're doing the right thing if you have no idea what the end product is. So you gotta taste it. You gotta taste it. If you if you love cooking, you also love eating. Yep. <laughs> so Rose, because you bring a chef's perspective to this, uh, in addition to your own restaurants, I know you've had a chance to try some other restaurants in the DC area. Anything that our listeners should know about that stood out for you as a just kind of a special gem? Uh, I have two. Okay. Um, I'll talk about Centralina first. Oh. That's um, Amy Broadwin's restaurant. Uh, I went there. I didn't know anyone in D.C., but they found a spot for us, like, at the corner of the bar. There were three of us, and the guests that were, like, spread out, like, moved to one side to make space for us. The bartender, Chris, amazing. Like, remembered my name right away, and I still remember his name after only meeting him that one time. I've not seen him yet, but he's been super awesome. The GM came over. She had no idea who we were, but she took great care of us. And then, and so at they the didn't. End, they didn't know that you were Chef Rose Noel. No, I, I, I was, I was guest walking in, okay. wanting to eat something oh. and well, have that's a drink at the bar. The real deal, then, right? Yeah, yeah that's wow. Yeah. So that was like super awesome. That's to me. awesome. And then, like in the end, she gave me her number, and then found out I was a chef. So it was like super awesome to. I still go back. I, st- I still um, run into them at like Maxwell Park for for a glass of wine late night or mm-hmm. something. That's been that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. For for a long time, and the other restaurant is ABC Pony. Uh, I just oh, went yeah. on Friday. Yeah, about it. loved it. It's like on my on my walk home. So good. Why did you awesome. like it so much? It was just so warm. It felt like the place you would love to go after work, because I know there aren't that many places like open late, and their their food is just simple. Flavors are bold, amazing, and they try new things. They have my favorite is the snacks menu, where it's just what the item is. It's um they had stracciatella, prosciutto, just like sweet confit tomatoes, mm-hmm. and um I forget one other item and olives. This is Eric Br- Bruner Yang's new Eric place. Eric Bruner Yang, yeah. I just I sit down, I order one of each snack with um with like maybe an entire baguette, and then I go into the menu. So I just sit down and like one of each with whoever I'm with. I think it has that feeling that you were talking about before yeah. where you can just go in and you feel very comfortable in the space. Yeah. Because people go for coffee, they go for, they sit and they work or they go for dinner. It's kind of a very welcoming spot. And I think the same thing I said before the other place. I went the second time, they're like, so uh, Black Manhattan? And I was like, yep. Wow. That was it. That was so it. So Centralina, ABC Pony. Those are your two. Those are my top two. Fantastic. Rose, congratulations Thank on you. this tremendous start for Miley and Amare. We're so excited that the restaurant is here in Washington. We're thrilled and grateful to be a beneficiary of the dollar a cover going to the No Kid Hungry campaign. Just fantastic. And um, it's really inspiring just to see the this, this success you've had. And you're still only in your 30s, I think, right? Oh, yeah. You're a kid. Well, I wish <laughs> to be 25 again. I'll take it. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. Thank Thanks you. for being on Ad Passion and Stir. Thanks for calling me in. Yes. Yeah. It was so fun. I can't wait to run around the city and eat with you. Yeah. Could you please take yeah, me yes, out? Yes. I'm Thank going you. to. Uh, I'm Billy Shore. I'm here with my sister, Debbie Shore, in our Washington, D.C. studio, and we've had the pleasure of talking to Chef Rose Noel, uh, the head chef at Myelina Mare, Danny Meyer's new restaurant here in the Navy Yard um, in Washington, D.C., and it's uh, 16 days old as of the time that we're speaking here, and it's off to an incredible start. So thanks for listening to Add Passion and Stir. Uh, You can rate us, rank us, go to our website, addpassionandstir.com. Uh, Thanks to our producer, Paul Whittle, Woody, uh, who always makes this podcast happen, and to the team at Share Our Strength in the No Kid Hungry campaign. Thanks for listening. 
Ad Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Ad Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhull.